Before we get into this episode, I'd just like to acknowledge the traditional owners of the land of which we're recording on. I'd like to acknowledge the elders, past, present, and emerging. Hey, welcome back to Country Creatives with Caleb and not Reese. We've got Amy in the studio. Hello, we don't have Reese. He's off gallivanting around Europe. He is Mr. Worldwide at the moment. Yeah. Um, lucky him. But lucky us because we've got Amy in the studio for our next interview, which is going to be heaps of fun. We've also got Louise Terra here. Hey, Louise. Hi. Thanks so much for coming in. Thanks for inviting me. It's lovely to be here. Oh, can't wait to hear all about your thoughts, your journey, your experience. It's going to be heaps of fun. One of my favourite questions to start an interview with, right, is especially for wonderful creative people, is when someone asks you, what you do, what do you say? (laughs) I was wondering if you'd be like, Louise, can you introduce yourself? (laughs) Um, What I do, I am a musician first and foremost, as well as a electronic music producer. So I see that as kind of a a, a different uh, set of skills that I've spent a long time cultivating (laughs) and I still cultivate. So I really sit fair and square in the music world in my life and what I do with work and what I do with my creative practice. And I then have these tendrils that pop out into... um, a performance and theatre background and uh, video creation, animation kind of, you know, realms of video. Nice. And I suppose in the last five years I've been combining them a little bit more together. Ooh, I think we might be digging into that in a little bit. But for those who've never heard any of your work, how would you describe your style? You've you've mentioned electronic. Tell, tell me a little bit about your style. My style of music... I, I've just landed on something that I think really encapsulates that it is a futuristic uh, electronic pop. Ooh. That's my style of music and I think that sort of speaks to um, like the tone of my aesthetic as well. Mm, love it. And how did you come to futuristic Yeah, it sounds like that's, that was pop. a bit of a journey to yeah. get there. Yeah, the journey really I started off – Uh, in my first band in the year 2000 Um, and I was making guitar indie pop then. I was playing electric guitar and writing songs and that was a really tricky time for the electric guitar. I think um, there was just a bit of a post uh, 90s grunge hangover from just saturation of (laughs) guitar bands. So uh, and I was really feeling that and I started to listen to a lot of electronic music and had people in my community who were were feeding me lots of new electronic music and I just uh, really turned away from guitar music for ages. I couldn't even handle listening guitar. In music, I'd just be like, guitar music, not for me. Um, (laughs) And I I was lucky enough to get a MacBook Pro, like inherit a MacBook Pro or like an early MacBook. It was one of those black pre-chrome or the metal casing. And it had a copy of Ableton Live on it because the person I inherited off was like a journalist for tech stuff. So they would write reviews and get free software. So I got this software. And that was when I just was like, oh, my gosh, I could have no limits 
to how I explore my musical voice because at that point I was really approaching music from a place of like, I love to sing, I love to write music, I love to write songs, but I don't really play an instrument. So I just was like, oh, this is my ticket to that, opening that door into really being able to explore uh, some of the, you know, the music inside of me that I didn't necessarily have that kind of a technical ability with an instrument to explore. Mm. Later on, I really decided to do it at, in about 2010. I just finished up in a great duo called Flying Scribble where I'd started off playing piano accordion as well as like a two-tiered organ with the foot pedals yes. and taught myself that like old school organ oh, I love style that. of playing, playing a version of pop music. And towards the end of that, we were together for about six years. Towards the end of that, I'd integrated the computer and MIDI and I'd, I'd, I'd got annoyed and I'd moved away from the um, piano accordion and the organ mm. and I was playing the Nord and, the, and it was doing MIDI at the same time and I was just like, this is where I want to be. And when that band came to an end, um, I was like, cool, I feel like I already know what journey I'm on. I find it fascinating that you said you didn't really play an instrument yet you've named like four. <laughs> <laughs> it's such a funny thing. I think that just like touches on the larger theme of of imposter syndrome that comes uh -huh. up a lot uh -huh. for a lot of creative people and, yeah, and just I people in general <laughs> with dreams. <laughs> it also comes up for 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 females in in electronic music too. Yes, yes. Um, and females in yeah. the music industry. Um, yes, because there's the phrase "just a singer." that you hear a lot, mm. oh, you're just a singer. And it's yeah. like, hang on. Firstly, the voice is the first instrument. <laughs> yes. um, so much respect. And then um, yes. you you hear that so much that you start internalising that, oh, oh, I'm just a singer or yep. it's it, it's not enough to, to, to have that voice. Like, mm. It's like, wow, you have to know six other instruments before mm. you can be taken seriously. And it's Absolutely. like, actually, and I think doing a, a, a Ableton Live, as you know, I'm a complete Ableton nerd as well. You are playing every instrument mm. that yeah. way, but you kind of, it's that generalist attitude. You're not like this mm. uh, virtuoso on a particular instrument where yeah. you can go and jam with anyone in, on that instrument. And mm. so it's a tricky... Yeah, it's a tricky thing to wrap your head around and then actually own. <laughs> yeah. And I'm yeah. glad you brought that up because as I was saying it, I was hearing the many women in my world and community who's, who use the word imposter. Yeah, actually it is a little bit uh, – I do believe that there is a, a, a feeling of – of having to work harder that just uh, women experience um, to have that legitimacy or at least that feeling of legitimacy ref like validated. But I personally, words like virtuoso or virtuosic or, you know, and boffins, I just kind of think those are the kinds of like characteristics that we, that don't, aren't really essential for uh, originality mm. and, um, you know, great creative outcomes. Yeah. Yet those kinds of boffin-y kinds of ways of, especially in electronic music production, mm. the boffins are often the ones that will sort of, you know, browbeat a person into feeling like they don't know very much. Mm. And so I'm, I'm a particularly like part of my critical way of looking at things is to be a bit anti-boffin <laughs> for, for all people as well because yeah. I also do – work in education yeah. so it's a lot about demystifying and a lot about um 
valuing uh, just some small skills, like putting, using the smaller, uh, like building block skills that people might be developing mm. um, to value those. Because uh, actually those building block uh, ideas or skills that people are learning are still the fundamental things that the boffins are practising. So it can be really simple and, um, again, yeah, it doesn't have to get in the way of originality and good ideas. I love that because it, it really speaks of a value for a person's internal creativity and what they can only bring to the world rather than uh, a skill, an external mm. skill to be mastered. And, we, you know, their, their value is intrinsic no matter their skill level their skills can be learnt and some can may go further than others but they have something inside them that no one else can give the world yeah so yeah there's no there's no sense getting caught up in uh, (laughs) the the thought of you you can't do this (laughs) i can't do this until i learn this yeah yeah um i think that definitely is uh a misnomer in the creative world. I just yeah. think like for me it was actually access to tools and resources that mm. I was really lucky to get access to mm. that just was the opening of those doors and um, it wasn't necessarily that I needed to know a great deal about what I was doing in Ableton because it's such a great uh, platform for experimenting. And I've, I've, I think I've kept every single stupid little ditty, like, you know, <laughs> experiment that I've yeah. ever done on there. And every now and then I'll listen back and I'll be like, this was, a, you know, a really, like, uh, simple or primitive approach to something but there's a, a germ of an idea there. There's something yeah. still in there that I'm like, I can hear my, my that inner, um, innate, intuitive, creative side of me coming out or, or, yep. or trying to find its way through the, yep. this um, experiment, you mm. know, and, and, and that still is really exciting. Hey, this is, uh, this is great. And I'm going to um, dive into your process a little bit later because I, I can't wait to hear about that. But let's switch gears just for a moment. The, there's one special thing that's coming up in Bendigo, we're all going to be involved in, <laughs> which is going to be heaps of fun. It's called Conflux Bendigo. And I just like, we have the programmer of Conflux right here, Amy. <laughs> and we have... How did a, that happen? <laughs> Who set that up? We've got, we've got a guest of Conflux in Louise. Wow. So here, I'm going to ask Amy, uh, the programmer, why did you invite Louise to come along to Conflux? Well, Conflux at its core is bringing together really dynamic, amazing creatives mm. to talk about ideas, to be vulnerable about where there is room for improvement in creative work, what bold ideas can drive the future of all sorts of creative industries. And I really feel like... Louise embodies that in her everyday work. Um, She's a massive risk taker and they're the kind of people that we need up Mm. front um, Mm. and showing us the way forward. Um, And so, yeah, it was a no-brainer, really. And I actually wanted to ask you, Louise, because talking about voice and that being the place that you started your musical connection with and a lot of the themes of Conflux centre around a brave new world and embracing new technology and how creators can harness that um, to drive 
really innovative ideas and new works. And you do that very much in all of your musical work and um, have in recent years delved into VR, virtual reality and music um, in your performance. And I mean, that can be, that's a really, an area that a lot of people really don't know a lot about. Again, you're talking about boffins and things that it's it's fast (laughs) becoming a thing where it has a level of exclusivity. And I feel like that's where you are really trailblazing the DIY Mm. um, in that. And um, so I I was wondering if you can talk about how you have this voice that is so human um, and so intrinsic and so yours and connected to you. uh, And then you have VR, which is innately not human. Um, How do you traverse that? Mm. I think that's kind of what my alter ego of Louise Terra really gets to do. She has the permission to do that, you know, um, and obviously that's me and I'm not like, uh, but, you know, the, the, the benefit of, of having a kind of an alter ego, um, I think that she gets to be that freak who can be so human and so vulnerable. Um, I feel like the work that I'm creating is like really steeped in human experience and human emotion, but at the same time, connected to these big existential like future questions about like what it is to be a human and mm-hmm. and what our future might look like and 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 seeing ourselves on this planet as a part of a big like an ex- exhaustive galactical kind of story i suppose um there's no real like smooth lines between the organic nature of my voice and then moving into VR. It really just works with the sort of, I suppose, the overall narrative of Louise Terra. Uh, and, you know, I, I do my music majoritively on my own and I'm, I'm really privileged at the moment to feel like I've got a bigger community that I can reach out and, and share what I do with and collaborate with and... Um, that sort of also was how the VR came into my world because collaboration is super important to how I practice and how I move forward. I don't see a future for myself without collaborating. There's no there's no future creative output without collaboration. So it was through collaborating with a filmmaker, my friend uh, Rachel Fury, great video artist who was at that point uh, looking at VR and uh, exploring it just like really cheap VR um, cameras that you could get at the time. She worked in like the art department of a high school and had these resources. So it was experimenting with them as you do. And um, she was like, I'd really like to make a video clip with you. And I was like, yeah, let's do it. And then like three months later, she was like, how about we do a VR video? Yeah, let's do it. (laughs) Um, Because, uh, you know, without, and I knew nothing really about the technology at that time. Um, but I had a lot of faith in her and I was like, this absolutely makes so much sense to how I, like to an, an area that I would start to cross over and touch into. And, and more broadly as well, I don't see myself just sort of exploring VR. I definitely see the work that I'm doing um, lending itself to being connected to new, new technology. And I, I think that that sort of like initial impulse towards new technology um, being a part of how I operate as an artist really came out after I, you know, in those early 2000s when I got this laptop. I mean, I just can't tell you what a huge 
game changer it was for me. Mm. Suddenly I could I could cry. I'm so like I could do all of this stuff. I could, I and I started using Photoshop. I started. I taught myself. I taught myself everything. Photoshop, After Effects, Final Cut Pro. Wow. All of it, and I, as well as Ableton, and I just started to use these tools and create. It was that democratization of of creativity, and it was big in music at the time. But you know, this was happening across other art forms. So that was when I just went, "Oh, boom! Here I can express myself." So that I think that initial impulse to bring this this human creative body. And, and technology closer together really came at that point when I got that laptop and I just went, oh, I'm unstoppable. I could do so much. Um, and I think at that point I was really like, I wasn't even really like identifying as a <laughs> musician only, you know. Mm. I was really seeing this new media. I think that was a really big term at the time um, as like an area that I was just like, this is, this is my native place to belong. Well, it sounds like... The um, when the opportunity for collaboration in, in VR came in, that that was just an, another part that fit really well in your journey and your your focus on you know new mediums and yeah. you know that sounds like that's kind of what started your uh, electronic journey and into creating and it's just kind of it just fit right in when when it needed to come along. Yeah, and I'd had a lot of priming through some other real creative powerhouse people in my community who were working in like augmented reality and uh, through watching their journeys and being close to what they were creating and hearing their stories about um, what was happening in technology, I that, that was really all I brought to that scenario was like, I'd heard about these technologies, a really amazing artist called Tia Bauman. I was super inspired by them. But at that point, this was a person who was working incredibly hard in a, a creative, but also a entrepreneurial business realm, building an augmented reality business. And it felt very exclusive. It felt that I, I, I felt that what, what she was doing, that what she was doing, I, I was just like, wow wow, okay, like you've got to be up there having the big business conversations, fundraising, you know, you've got to be really, really up there promoting yourself and flying high and with a big budget and backers and a team and all this stuff to get access to work in this space because it was so trailblazing, it was so new and it was really expensive. Mm. That's that was that was my understanding of it. And it was like pioneering. So if you had an idea, you had to then generate the technology around it. That's what I saw my friend doing. And um, so I, I was really up there with the conversations around it and like what was sort of happening in that realm, but I'd never I, well, I hadn't seen an easy <laughs> access yeah. point for me. Until you were Kind of given the or the idea from your friend with the VR, exactly. right? Exactly, and just to have that um, that person behind, uh, like joining me mm. and going, I'm behind this idea, and and from the outset we decided we wanted to do it independently. So we could have gone for funding, we could have gone for all that stuff, but we just thought, let's not get caught up in that right now. Let's just do this. Let's yeah. just um, go out there and give this a go, and and so we co-produced um, the whole thing together. So let. Fill me in on what your uh, collaborations from that point to now in in the VR space. What do they look like? What? How do you ap- approach those from a, a creative output? Yeah, I mean it's interesting. I think collaborating in the VR space is a, is also a little bit like oh, you open the rule book and it's like oh, 
I suppose we better fill it in. <laughs> There's nothing in here. Yeah, that's what we discovered. <laughs> Which um, is wonderful opportunity. But yeah, <laughs> yeah, switch on well, the intuitive yeah. side, yeah. Uh, 100%. <laughs> uh, yeah, totally. I mean, personally, I, so, I, I was pretty excited by that because, like, I'm not – I don't really, I think I I really relate to DIY creative, you know, practice and process like deeply. It's deeply a part of my, uh, my soul. You know, I just sort of thought about it as like, okay, these are like the early days of cinema, except it's in VR. Like, it's so full on. So, okay, the collaboration, um, the current collaboration that I'm involved in is a, a live performance that's filmed uh, on multiple 360-degree cameras. So um, they're fixed. Uh-huh. Uh, so they're fixed point-of-view cameras. And then later on in editing or still-to-be-worked-out technology, um, the viewer will see different camera points of view as one sort of seamless whole performance. Cool. Uh, and the, the developers of this particular project are, are trying to work out how to, uh, the audience or the viewer could change choose the camera point of view uh-huh. that they're seeing at any point in time. Yeah. So I'm not Move sure where the technology is there bit. for that, but I, that idea is, is is definitely exciting. If they're not able to achieve it now, they will be able to achieve it. But, yeah, yeah so you, you know, you at least get to participate because I think that's one of the sort of aspects of being a viewer in the VR space is how much participation you're able to have in yeah. that environment and and uh, I think with the live fixed point of view cameras you don't have that opportunity to move around you know the stereo field or like you know yep. the, you actually only can occupy that camera perspective but you can you can move your head around from within that mm. um, perfectly but you can't actually take a step forward or back so anyway so currently I have because of COVID it was meant to be a really quick project but two years later <laughs> um, <laughs> I hear you yeah so I uh, got a, a group of people together who were able to sort of just work within the creative team with their current skills or they were already doing something in film and VR uh. already so I pulled together a, a bunch of people from my community who I would actually all call friends, which is a real privilege. And you don't always get to work like that. So that's also like something about this process that is really special. We set about developing in a very intuitive way a 20-minute live performance. Uh, so it's me performing my songs live, uh-huh. but it's in a – I would say, like, the the setting is way more like a theatre setting. So there's, like, you know, stage pieces, props that are part of the stage piece. Um, there's some other performers in there, which is really exciting. I've only ever, as a Louise Terra, only get up on stage alone generally. Uh-huh. Yep. So there's some other performers in there. So all of those moving parts and elements and, and creative – ideation uh, of, of how those elements are a part of it has has been a part of this collaboration. So it's been really, uh, I've been remembering the, the thrill and the joy and the excitement I get out of working in more of a theatre mm. performance space and then getting to bring my music into that. So 
uh, that feels like something I want to keep open. I don't want to close off from that now that I'm back in that space. Yeah. I've been really fair and square in music for like 15 years-ish, maybe 10. No, it was around 2005. I remember my friend being like, you've got to decide what you're going to do. What's your <laughs> what's your, your priority here? And I, I really thought about it for a long time and I was like, it is music. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, it's, it's now um, – um, through being a, in this collaborative team, and and we 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 defined roles and then went about disintegrating them in the collaboration as well because you know who's the director and it doesn't it just doesn't work like that. Yeah. So right. we've got a director, but then it doesn't work the same in VR as it does in film because there is the cameras are really the eye. You can't really create the same roles. Yeah. I'm curious too with this change of roles um so in music we've got this traditional you performing for an audience and this energy that that happens between you and an audience Mm. and with this vr world that's totally turned on its head Mm -hmm. in terms of the audience defining where they look and you're creating it without an audience other than your collaborators how did how do you feel about that Mm. um without that immediate connection i have had in the last couple of years done a couple of performances which are just filmed and there is no live audience it's really challenging i have lots of experience performing to an audience and so yep. i go into my performance mode in general i you know Part of that space I'm stepping into is an awareness of that exchange that you're going to mm. get with the audience and mm-hmm. and knowing that I can riff off of that. Like it's, it's incredibly challenging not having the audience there. But what we kind of kept coming back to as we were devising and define and we d- we've done heaps of like um, test shoots yep. and so we'd go back and look at the test footage and it's something that we just kept needing to remind ourselves of which was that the camera is the person see it as the audience and it kind of does look like a weird kind of robotic you know it's like the camera <laughs> is this circular uh, thing on on a tripod so it kind of does look slightly like cyborgy human cyborg but yeah so that uh actually uh it's uh part of my role is to perform to the camera and it's a bit like radio you can't see it's a bit like this we know we've got an audience we know we're talking to you hello out there (laughs) but we can't see you we have to imagine you yeah that's, that was like a bit of a, you know, a shift in how yeah. I uh, approach that performance space and keeping that like in the forefront of my mind mm. as I perform. Yeah, well, that's actually the whole journey of a screen actor versus a stage yeah. actor. Yeah. Because yeah. They're, 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 they each have their, their challenges, but one of the biggest differences is that you get instant feedback as a stage performer with your audience and uh, it, it can sometimes feel quite a, a connect or very connected and somewhat collaborative with the the audience because you, you're there and you're, you know, you're on this journey together and you're in the moment with no breaks mm-hmm. and you can really invest yourself in that. Whereas when you're performing for cameras and especially one that doesn't do anything but sit there, totally. <laughs> that's next level, the, it, it's, it's really tough. Mm. It's because you, you have to get yourself in that 
performance mode, connect with your performance, deliver it in a way that you uh, best hope will connect with the audience when they eventually see it, but you you don't have that that feedback, but Amazing. you also have to break, you know, and that's, you know, the way you talk about method actors who never get out of character. Mm. But how do you deal with that performance element of getting into the zone mm. and then uh, kind of having a bit of a break and then still getting back in? This particular performance, my aim is to perform it from start to finish. Hey, nice. <laughs> so to keep it very live. Yeah, good. And I, the stop-start nature, you know, I haven't had a lot of experience in film and I would love to have more of a experience in that because I have been given these opportunities and I realise I'm like, this is challenging. I've got a lot more experience in that sort of feedback space with the live audience. So I I want to have more experience with understanding, yeah, exactly Mm. the question so that Mm. I could answer that question. Mm. But um, for this VR performance, I think part of what is going to make it uh, unique for the viewer in the VR space is that it is a live performance. Yeah. So it captures uh, everything in that 20 minutes. We're going to be shooting it at the end of September and there is some potential that it, we will be doing stop-start. But I'm my aim is like, let's try and do it 20 minutes. We're probably going to yeah. film it a few times though. Yeah. So I'm going to really need to like keep my wits about me. Yeah, I think one of the, the special things about VR specifically is that creative constraints, but it is also a – you can see it as, that, as a potential because there's nothing hidden, right? There's nothing here. There's no backstage. <laughs> no, there's an authenticity and a realness to a VR experience that you you won't see in a, a regular video because you yeah. understand that there has been, you know, sometimes hundreds of hours put into uh, what was captured at the performance and what you're seeing in the video format. But in a VR performance, yes. no doubt, still hundreds of hours of developing that uh, yes. that work. But you ha- you're in the moment. Yeah. Almost, you know, you, you're not there in the moment, but you see everything and you could, as um, as uh, Amy was saying before, you, you know, you could just turn around and look the other way. <laughs> you absolutely can. And so we're, you know, part of the, the group brain of our collaborative team is like we're always <laughs> trying to place ourselves in that position of the viewer continuously. Like you can't not be thinking always from the viewer's perspective um, in a really different way than I think you are with like the single frame film environment because you're directing, like you're really dictating Mm. in that space. I think that's been the biggest um, continual, uh, like the frame that we continually have to keep coming back to and and actually shift back into all the time. Maybe it's a human thing because we're always looking out of this frame from our face in this particular way and we... Or the team, you know, we're continually having to say, but it's not, we're not just looking at this. So, mm. you know, someone will have this great idea that looks so great and this happens on this side and then it goes off on this side. It's like, yeah, that is a great idea, but not in VR. It could be like absolutely just really doesn't have any impact. Mm. The environment is really important. So mm. there's like objects, sculptures, lighting. We're trying to... Uh, consider the whole space as yeah. a part of um, 
the you know the narrative and the action yep. at any given time. Mm. I think that was also why having multiple performers there so that they could be coming in from different angles and, you know, there could be some kinds of wrapping around yeah. and um, circling around and people being able to sort of just look around this whole space and, and see some action. It's been a really interesting consideration for for how we... Oh, don't forget, like, if, if someone's... If you've got someone popping something down and stepping off... Where are they going? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you know, because I love that actually. And I think mm. that kind of an early idea and it was like, let's not try to hide everything. Great. Let's try to kind of expose some of the inner workings of this. So the characters of these other six performers are, are like um, stage hand actors. Nice. So they, they are doing, they're moving things around, they're grabbing props and resetting them and that's, we're not pretending that that's not happening because yeah. how could we? Yeah. Um, so it's a little bit Brechtian in that way. We've kind of like kept the a certain amount of the inner workings. I love that. It it makes me think of like a, a, a black box performance where you traditionally you'd have a uh, maybe a performance with uh, the audience surrounding the the performance. Yes. But in this case, you've got the... <laughs> Um, you've got the performance surrounding the audience. Yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> which is which is pretty cool. Yeah. 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 Hey, we've been talking about this thing, and I'm getting so excited about it. <laughs> you need to tell me when you're uh, when you're going to be finished this thing because yeah. I want I want to see it. But we embarked on this conversation talking about conflux, and one of the really exciting things that uh, I'm looking forward to about it is seeing you perform at Conflux. Woo-hoo! Tell me a little bit about what that looks like have you, have you got a preview can you give me a bit of a bit of a preview or a, a uh, teaser about what you're going to be performing well i will be performing some of my new unreleased songs um, and uh, at this stage i will probably have some kind of visual element uh, at this stage, I don't know quite what yet. Like, I'm, I'm quite excited to share some of the experiments with the audience. Cool. Maybe not specifically in the performance, but um, I get the opportunity after the performance to chat with one of the collaborators, Sarah Jane Woolahan, who is uh, – I, I grew up in Brisbane and I, I know her from my days in Brisbane. She – was at that point making video clips for like the living end and all these like oh, big mad. bands in in Australia yeah. and she's gone on a big journey um, continuing through video clips as well as expanding into all kinds of cinema uh, but she's doing her PhD in VR at the moment so oh she's bringing all this background of what she's already done uh, to uh, VR. So we'll be getting to chat a bit more about it and Ooh. and hopefully show and preview some of the experiments. We've got some cool time lapses so you can sort of see things in fast motion and um but yeah, I'm I'm also just really looking forward to playing in that environment and and sharing some of my music just to give people context. Um, So, yeah, I'll just be doing a live electronic set, but surely there'll be some visuals as well going on. Looking forward to it. You're also moderating a panel uh, about the future of music. Yes. Which is huge. It's a huge topic. Um, And you're going to be joined by – it's an amazing group of people working across all areas of the music industry in Australia. I'm curious to know – you're looking at the future of music – to 
to start with, where where is music at right now oh for God. you from your vantage point? Yeah. I think music is having a bit of an identity crisis. I think things like, you know, we've been on this journey of lots of uh, people being able to come to music and make music and, and, and release music and we've been on that journey now for a couple of decades and while that's really amazing, I think we're also finding... Um, a lot of saturation of, of music out there. There's a lot of musical content. So people are also really caught up on how they get their music out there and how they get that heard and should I be on TikTok and all that kind of stuff. And I I think it's really obscuring the view a little bit. I feel that there's potentials for musician to, musicians to like access new technology and find ways to kind of profile and platform themselves in these cool ways. But there's also a kind of a cynicism that can creep in where it's like, how do I go viral yeah. or how do I get yeah. the likes and mm-hmm. and and that becoming quite uh, like, you know, infiltrating the creative process. So, you know, I'd love to see musicians coming to music for the sheer love of music and not feeling like they are, like, getting pushed through this kind of really intense funnel. Mm. <laughs> so I think there's um, there's a lot of realm for opportunity right now because, yeah, I, I, like, we're, we've been in a major uh, identity crisis with music. Uh, music is now becoming a thing that, like, connects with other content and that I think that's got loads of potential loads of creative capacity but I think what ends up happening is like yeah again that industry funnel is really gatekeeping how that rolls and what gets pushed through and I think that's really challenging for artists yeah so I think that artists personally as a as a music artist I think that it's an uh, there is an opportunity after covid after this reset of like everything shutting down and everything failing, basically, like the way the music systems were current were operating, just completely failed in that environment um, to address some of the issues that have never worked for them, for the artists, and to find ways to own how we move forward. And I don't. I'm so glad that there is a panel of um, other people to talk with about this because I don't have all of the answers. But my clear sense is that there is an opportunity, in particular, right now to articulate those movements forward from an artist perspective as to how we can how we can direct the future of music, not just how can we market ourselves better on social media. You know, those kind of conversations, we've had them like, oh, so much in in musical, uh, you know, in discussions around, you know, at, at music conferences. And I'm, I, I think we've got to get, we've got to get deeper than that and, and more critical than that. So I think it's, for me, I'm like, I don't see a good way out of this that isn't artist-led. And I think that needs to be prepared to ruffle feathers. I love that uh, th- being the, f- the focus not on the the platform or the notoriety or, you know, whatever you're trying to chase there, but being authentic. And I think that's a, a movement that uh, the whole world in every, in every sphere is moving towards. It's a move to authenticity. Mm. Um, well, yeah, you can't have a machine without a power source. Yeah. You know? Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the power source is the artist. It's yep. always been the artist. <laughs> it's, and it's shocking pe- that we sort of still 
place artists at the bottom of the pyramid scheme. There know? is no music industry without music. Without <laughs> the great It sounds so simple, talented. doesn't it? Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm constantly, I, I work with a lot of artists and have to con- constantly remind them that they're not doing the managers, the labels, the marketers, the, the machine, any favours. They shouldn't be pandering mm. to them. It's yeah. just like they are the reason that those people have <laughs> a job exactly. and are making money and you, you do have power in that. Mm. Um, you have all the power in that. Yes. Yep. But we were too scared. We've been too scared until, like you say, this levelling of the pandemic. It mm. is one of the silver linings that things that were well overdue to die a swift death yep. did. Yep. And um, yeah. it's great to just have the opportunity to hopefully let them lie yep. and yes. see what can be born of that. And I think if the artists are not sort of in on the conversation of what can be born in that, it's going to get taken over by weeds. That's yeah. that's exactly it, yeah. This I is a critical moment, isn't it? There are other less um, benevolent um, opportunity seekers in yep. uh, from from a monetary perspective that want to sweep in and 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 clean up the the mess so to speak and they are future focused and they do know about the technologies and they do know how to capitalize on them and they want to keep the status quo which is exactly mm. that blind spot um, Oh, artists uh, are important to my job <laughs> in this industry. Uh, yes, yes, they are. <laughs> they're everything. Yes, yeah. yeah, and I think the the result where we find ourselves has been thanks to a team up of that uh, oversaturation of technology and the speed at which it is implemented and and becomes available. It's no longer novel for something, you know, new and and crazy to happen that happens all the time happens all the time now so and and that search for authenticity is a lot of people going oh man i've been i've just been stuck on this social media thing it's actually stolen half my life how about that i look back and i've i've spent all this time looking at a screen that and it's tricked me it tricked me into taking my time from me yeah and there's there's a little bit of a a um disdain towards that now Mm. and they go no i actually want to have real experiences i actually want to have i want i don't want to be lied to i don't i want to actually see something for what it is and to experience it and have that add to my life in some way yes and so i think the the the, not only is the opportunity there for artists to to um, be involved in that rebuilding of what comes next, but the the desire mm. is there from consumers and from people for uh, to to connect directly with an artist rather Absolutely. than rather than be have them filtered through you know everything else before they get to them. Any kind of cynical marketing vibe, I think, is just a total disservice at the moment. I think yep. you're exactly right. Um, People are craving, I mean, people have always, audiences have always craved that feeling of connection with their artists, which was where social media was so cool when that first started because you could actually get a DM back on Instagram (laughs) from somebody that you commented on who you were a huge fan of. And people, that's still happening. Yeah. So that was a cool thing for people connecting to artists and feeling like they could have a personal um, channel to that artist. Mm. And I think it is still, but what we've got is exactly this kind of screen fatigue and 
uh, people do not. The smell of being marketed at mm. is so off-putting, mm-hmm. and it's people are really good at picking it up mm. um, because we've seen those those platforms. I mostly use Instagram. I've seen that change and the algorithm change over the last like you know however months, however many months, sometime within the last year. I'm just getting sponsored ads and marketed to and and I, mm-hmm. I, I think that is going to be a, a real um, nail in the coffin of that particular platform mm. and yeah it's not what brought you there was it not at all <laughs> no. not at all and people are now after being locked in with their screens mm-hmm. that live experience I mean that's so exciting to me not just as a creator but as an audience member of other people's um, inventions and, and and ideas of how they create a really uh, differentiated, you've got this potential to do this really differentiated live experience. It doesn't have to look like the same music venues, performances, the same format in the music venues. No. All it's, of that. It's, it's an opportunity to create stuff that cannot be duplicated. There is no digital copy. Oh, it's so exciting, isn't it? We're Ooh, all yeah. really excited <laughs> about this. I'm like, yes. Feel the buzz. Yeah, there is no great. digital copy. And, you know, and that's it. I think that's going to bring in a, a cool space for cross art form conversations that doesn't look like that kind of cynical, you know, product creation, you know, placing music within other products, mm. you know, yep. actually getting to define how we bring those worlds together mm. to create maybe, you know, also uh, potentially digital artefacts, but like some kind of live experience uh-huh. in there as well. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. I love what the, what is being, um, made possible uh, in the linking between a, a digital asset and the real world and how that can enable, limit or facilitate a real world experience, mm-hmm. which is, you know, maybe um, I'm, I'm looking for, there's, there's too many good things happening at Conflux, Amy, that I, I want probably, I'll find myself in a situation <laughs> where I want to listen to things, but there's too many things that I want to listen to at the same time. But um, I imagine that your conversation uh, in some of those panels, looking at the future of music specifically, will will dive into some of those really great topics and will be just a must, um, must listen to conversation. I think that's going to cross over into your conversation on the metaverse, traversing the metaverse as well. So there's going to be a lot of that. Um, We could chat about this for a long time. (laughs) But um, I I have a burning question um, to, I I think, probably finish up with. What's on your musical bucket list, Louise Terra? What's on your creative horizons? What do you want to do? I want to do. I'm at this point... I I'm I'm really excited about releasing some more music. I've only got an EP out there, so um, next step for me is uh, to release like an album and put together an, a, a full body of work. Love it. Um, and that I've never done that in this solo capacity, so that feels like a really awesome journey to go on. And that will be you know the near future in the next that'll be twenty twenty three. I reckon that that comes out. I. I really see myself continuing to uh, go down this road of music and technology and performance. Mm. So I don't have like 
absolute clear designs on how that's going to look. I really, really love working in this ensemble space, performance ensemble space that I've been working in in this VR space and um, bringing together my fascination with uh, new visual technologies. I, I see that happening more in the future so there's this part of me that's in this process has been like you're not just a musician you don't have to just identify as a musician so that's been (laughs) a really like oh that's right like I always brought all of these other impulses and desires to the table with my creative practice I feel like I've reconnected with that so you know there could be like some heavy theatre vibes mixed in the music world I'm really open to that um And also, I'm really excited about uh, making more, uh, you know, pushing the envelope on contemporary electronic music and and continuing to try to be in that space Mm. and working with others to be in that space more in a way, I think, like maybe Australian artists have started to occupy that space a bit more, but I, I think there's still more from Australian artists in contemporary electronic music, dance music as well. So that's another um, another area that I, I see myself maybe getting to do a little bit of touring and um, getting to release some other bodies of work that don't um, necessarily have to be in the Louise Terra realm. I can let myself also get a little untethered and go over into these other contemporary electronic dance realms. So, yeah, that's the general vibe. <laughs> the future is bright. <laughs> I love it because it sounds like to me that you're, you're kind of breaking down walls, barriers, climbing out of boxes and constraints that have been put around maybe you and, and you know, you might have put around yourself at oh, some yeah, point. Oh, yeah, baby. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and really, yeah, pioneering some new things. Oh, well, thank you. I'm, um, yeah, I think it's it's been a sort of big journey to get to this point of being like releasing myself from these constraints. Um, it's good to be here and, yeah, I'm excited to share that with others as well and inspire others who might look at me and go, oh, I feel like I relate to you to be like, yeah, there are going to be some obstacles, so... How do we get those roadblocks out of the way earlier for others? Amazing. Louise, thank you so much for coming in and having a wonderful conversation with us. We are going to see you at Conflux on the 9th and 10th of September. So make sure you get along there, talking to you, listener. Get along uh, to see Louise and hear more of her great uh, work and conversation so louise before we wrap up though where uh, we're going to put a lot of links in the show notes to this um this episode but where can people find you if they want to seek you out and follow you uh i would say at this point instagram is like my big platform for engagement so you can find me on instagram louise underscore terror and i've also got a website louiseterror.com so you can also head there Excellent. Go check her out. Thanks, Louise. Thank you both so much. That was really fun. Thanks once again for tuning into Country Creatives Podcast. We've been very happy to have you. If you'd like to hear more about Louise Terra or listen to any of our previous episodes of Country Creatives, we'd welcome you to visit emporiumcreativehub.com.au slash podcast and you'll find all the information there. 
also we really welcome if you are enjoying the podcast to show it via your podcasting platforms by subscribing sharing it with your mates or giving us a review it all goes a long way to getting the message and the stories and the inspiration out there we look forward to you joining us in a couple of weeks time when reese will be back from europe and back on board for another episode of country creatives Thank you.